Welcome to the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, with Krishna, and today we're talking mid-season awards. So this is something that, uh, you know, you hear all the time on podcasts, uh, on radio shows, and I just think they're really fun, so I want to do them. Uh, Krishna, how you doing? And uh, I was toiling over the uh, the results for the awards here at the mid-season. Uh, doing well. It was uh, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, think, I think we're going to have an interesting discussion with uh, regards to MVP because uh, there's kind of a lot of different ways you could kind of look at it and stuff like that. So, Yeah. All right. So the way we're going to do it is we're going to give the awards based on just production in the first half of the year. We're, we'll talk a little bit about maybe who we think is going to win the award long term for the for the obviously the entire season. But what we're doing is we are looking at the first half of the season, and then this is LeBron's results. So we'll give our opinions, but this is just by the data, by the numbers. This uh, these are the players that are having the most impactful seasons. Uh, the awards we're going to be doing is most improved player, rookie of the year. Sixth man, defensive player of the year, and MVP. I think there's like a clutch uh, award, I guess, that came out this year. But yeah. I guess we would just look at who has the best clutch, like volume and field goal percentage. Or I don't, I don't know. So the the stat you'd probably want to look at would be clutch win probability added. Ah, uh, yeah, tip of my tongue, tip of my tongue. Do you have that? Yep. <laughs> off the top, uh, yeah, we could uh, actually. I could look it up right now. Right, you look it up, you. and I'll stall. Uh, we'll start with, we'll get back to that, but first we're going to talk about most improved players. So the three candidates, so basically what I did is I narrowed it down to the three candidates for each one, except for six man. There's a few more just to make it easy. Uh, but again, this is the mid season awards, most improved player. We have Nick Claxton, uh, on Brooklyn, Trey Mann on Oklahoma city and Julius Randall on New York. Um, I think it'd be really funny. I was actually texting my friends because I believe Julius Randle won most improved player two seasons ago on the Knicks and then had a down year last year. And I was like, I wonder if any player has ever won most improved player two years in a row. Uh, and I thought that'd be really funny. But yeah, Nick Claxton has been fantastic doing it mostly on the defensive end. Uh, Trey Mann has been good in Oklahoma. Uh, his LeBron it change is just, it's, it's three, which if you're used to the LeBron scale, that's a massive shift up. Uh, he's seeing it equal parts on offense and defense. And then Julius Randle is seeing his you know giant improvement uh, pretty much all on the offensive end. So it's kind of interesting. We have three different players that uh, get their value in three different ways. Claxton, more defensive-oriented. Trey Mann, more even. And then uh, Julius Randle on offense, again, in terms of improvement uh, in LeBron from last year to this year. Krishna, you got any thoughts on the uh the most improved player this year? Uh don't really have any thoughts on that. Um actually I'll I'll just quickly circle back to the the clutch uh the Jerry West clutch player of the year. Um so there's a uh site in predictable where you can look at clutch win probability added and you can actually set the weights based on like shooting fouls. Um shooting turnovers rebounds assists steals blocks um basically every you know all of the box score stats and then you can weigh them and then you can determine uh like how you want to weigh them to calculate like an overall clutch win probability win probability added um and so i just kind of did a simple weight here of like one for each and the leader was luca at 7.78 uh win probability added um 
So, and then second was Halliburton, and third was DeRozan, fourth was Jokic, and then Jordan Clarkson rounded out the top five. So, um, I don't know if that should be, you know, I don't know how you'd want to, like, you might want to put more weighting on shooting or, and and maybe more on turnovers or something. But, um, yeah, just, uh, that actually sounds like a pretty, pretty decent top five in terms of, um, probably who's adding the most value in, in the clutch because, you know, the Mavs, I think, have been in a lot of close games. So, um, and, and Luca's obviously uh, going to be uh, among our MVP candidates. Not going to spoil Don't where he is. Don't spoil it, Krishna. Don't spoil it. Not going to spoil where he is, but I think it's safe to say he's going to be among the MVP candidates. He's in the conversation. All right, so we got Luca as the whatever, most clutch player, whatever. Back to most improved player. I think most people are like, well, I don't understand why Laurie Markadon and Halliburton aren't one and two on this list. And I think most improved is actually one of the harder awards to talk about with people because it heavily matters like what they thought of the player last year and in the LeBron database I know marketing was a pretty good player same with Halliburton I had them both as like top 75 back-end players in the offseason in my rankings so the problem is like yes they've definitely taken jumps that have been fantastic but they're not at the tippy top of the league because they were too good last year I think we had something similar we were trying to come up with like a most improved player last year the year before and it was for John Morant. But the problem was the year before he was like also pretty good. So the jump wasn't as large. And you could like make an argument that I think does have some like validity of, you know, going from like, I don't know, 20th percentile in the league to 60th percentile is a is a really large leap. But going from, you know, 75th percentile to 85th percentile is harder, even though it's you're not jumping as many players. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I, so I am going to uh, add some thoughts here uh, about most improved player. I, I, so Claxton, actually, do you actually think he's that surprising? To me, it's not that he would be among the most improved, even compared to, like, Markinen or um, who was the other player? Um, Halliburton. No, I think he's he's on par with them, but I think someone like Trey yeah. Mann, that's definitely a surprise, I think, for that's those people. That's definitely more. And Julius Randle is uh, – that one's just funny to me, honestly, because it's like he's it's a massive improvement from where he was last year. But then if you're comparing him to where he was two years ago, it's like, oh, he's kind of in the same spot. Right. Like um, I'm, I'm going to pull up his uh, shooting talent metrics here. But um, like his shooting talent. Uh, oh, it's actually gone down from two years ago. Um Although I think that's partly because of the stabilization. Um, but yeah, essentially like, um, oh, actually his O-Lebron has gone up a lot. Uh, <laughs> My favorite part of the podcast is <laughs> Krishna being surprised looking at data tables live. <laughs> um and his playmaking talent has gone down from two years ago. But anyways, I think my point about Randall is is still kind of the same. Like he had a pretty bad season last year uh and two years ago like he made all nba third team right so um and he may be in line for that again this year which i think like two years ago i think everyone would have thought yeah that's a one-time all nba selection but um it's possible he makes it this year i don't i don't think so but um maybe and uh 
So I think Randall is, uh, I, I don't know if I would actually have him in third place here because um, he's like, it's one of the largest one-year jumps, but then he's previous, previously established this level of play before. So he's just like, it, it's just such a weird three-year run where he is like at this level two years ago, then last year just falls apart and then returns to that level. So um, I, I think in the spirit of the ward, that doesn't really make sense. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, no, nah, you're right. But one time, Philip Rivers in football, he's my favorite player. He won comeback player of the year. And, like, nothing happened to him. He just sucked the year before and the team sucked. And he just struggled. And it was like, oh, he's back. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. It would be one of those. Uh, but our winner for most improved player this year has been Nick Claxton. He's had the largest jump in LeBron War which just basically like, so war is per 100, or sorry, LeBron is per 100 possessions. And then war is kind of like baseball. Like it just keeps building on itself. Uh, it's not a per possession stat. It's just like your total value wins added per game above a replacement player. Uh, moving on to rookie of the year. Uh, our top three candidates are Walker Kessler, Paolo Banquero, and Tari Eason. So Walker Kessler on Utah, Paolo on Orlando, and then Tari Eason on Houston. Um, the one thing, the caveat here is Palo's played a lot more minutes than the other two players. He's played about 400 more minutes, which is pretty significant. Um, but have you seen anything out of these young players? Um, anything that sort of caught your eye with these guys? Um, yeah, well, <laughs> so the thing I'm currently looking up right now is I'm curious to see if Walker Kessler has the same D LeBron as Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I it has to be higher. It has to be higher. Uh -huh. Let's see. It is so his D LeBron this year is two point nine one, which is extremely uh, high for those uh, uh, don't, that don't read the Matrix. <laughs> that yeah, that's actually phenomenal for a rookie. I, I, I mean, that's not even phenomenal I mean, for a rookie. That's like defensive player of the year category. If he can keep it up and then get those minutes up, so he's I actually looked into his game logs. So he's averaging twenty minutes a game, seven point seven rebounds, which isn't the most you know flattering box score. But really, because he's a rookie, early on in the season he wasn't playing very much, not scoring a lot, not getting a lot of rebounds. But over the last month, there's been like pretty much been averaging a double double in his minutes, while his average on the season is about twenty. He's now at like 26, 27, 28 minutes a game um, for most of the last month. So I think as the season's been going, he's been playing probably better. And then he's also been just getting uh, more of a chance to shine because he's been such a strong defensive player. And then digging into a little bit, again, Walker Kessler has had crazy impact on defense, negative on offense. Uh, Paolo has been a slight uh, positive on offense, slight negative on defense. And then Tari Eason has been uh, a defensive player. Again, not huge impact on offense. So, um, uh, I'm just going to butt in with uh, Rudy Gobert's D. LeBron because uh, I, I, I did say I was going to look it up. And it's 1.55. So it is higher. Uh, Walker's is higher by quite uh, a bit. Walker's almost doubling Rudy Gobert up, a player he was traded for along with, what was it, nine first-round picks? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So... Uh, that's that's pretty incredible that they essentially got a much better defensive version of Rudy in, in that trade, essentially. Okay, so this was a really hard one. This was probably the closest 
of any of the categories in my mind between Walker Kessler and Paolo Banquero because their war is almost identical. Um, we gave it to Kessler even though he has played less minutes because his LeBron, his per 100 possession impact is a lot higher because he's putting up like he's not the defensive player in the of the year, but if you put up a top ten, he would be on that list. And as a rookie, that's that's just insane. Uh, Palo has really been filling up the box score, scoring a lot of points, a lot of rebounds, but a lot of that is like load dependent in being on a bad team. Or like the Jazz are a lot better. Kessler's a different type of player, but again, their overall value uh, overall this season has been almost identical. And then again, the per 100 possession basis was the kicker that gave Kessler the award. So Walker Kessler, uh, third in D LeBron this year, not among rookies, but among the entire league. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, again, not scoring a ton of points. It's been up. It's been better as of late in the double digits on one, tr- uh, 120 true shooting plus. So 20% above league average, which is, is good for just, you know, play finishing big. So again, we have the most improved player is Nick Claxton. Rookie of the year is Walker Kessler. Uh, let's talk about six men, Krishna. We have Christian Wood of Dallas. We have Bobby Portis of Milwaukee. Walker Kessler on this uh, for Utah. Emmanuel Quickly, New York, and Jose Alvarado of the Pelicans. So we have five players. Uh, what jumps out to you? Um, I Nothing really jumps out, I guess. Uh, I thought Jose might be a little higher, but um, outside of that, uh, I don't really have uh, any comments, I guess. Um, uh, oh, I, I think Tim uh, did submit his picks, and I think his pick was Portis. Uh, Bobby Portis, I think for uh, for six man of the year. Um, I'm I'm pulling that up right now. Uh, let's see where is that? Uh, yeah, Tim. So Tim had Portis. Um, uh, but I don't know if he uh, <laughs> had looked at the data. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, no real no real thoughts on that race, I guess. Um, I was actually kind of surprised that would. Um, Wood has uh, – is there like a game started percentage that you have to be under to qualify for this or something like that? Because Yeah, so you just – I looked it up. I was on Wikipedia. I don't know. They say not to use Wikipedia as a source. I couldn't find anything else. I used it. Uh, it said the qualifications for six man of the year are you have to start you have to, – you have to come off the bench – more games than you start, I think it's what, or like half your games. Ah, basically, what I sorted by was half. You have to come off the bench for half of the games you play in, at least. Yeah, um, and uh, Wood does meet that uh, tre- threshold. Uh, he's at like I think it was like seventeen out of forty-one games. So for forty percent of the games, he's um, he started. So sixty yeah. percent, he's come off the bench. So yeah, he he made it there. So again, uh, Christian Wood, he's he's definitely been good. He's scoring eighteen points a game, uh, one ten true shooting plus, which is good. And then if you listen to the, I think it was the previous podcast, two podcasts ago, uh, we talked about the most efficient scorer in each play type, and he was first in the league as a pick and roll roll man on points per possession. So a fantastic finisher paired with Luca. Uh, yeah, same thing with Alvarado. I'm really high on him. I like him a lot. He's had a strong LeBron. There's actually a pretty close race among the five. Quickly, um, also pretty good offensive impact coming off the bench for the Knicks. Uh, we just talked about Walker Kessler. Bobby Portis has been a good role player in the league for years. 
Um, this was definitely a close race, probably the second closest after Rookie of the Year. A lot of these guys had similar war, um, kind of similar LeBron as well. We ultimately ended up going with Christian Wood of Dallas. Uh, again, like I said, 18 I, points a game, really strong on really great efficiency. He's also shooting 39% from three on over four a game. So bringing that stretch big element and uh, just a really versatile weapon to pair with Luka, a uh, pretty good athlete, and is uh, definitely bringing some offensive pop off the bench. Yeah, I just wanted to add, um, I, he's been, so Christian Wood has been starting recently so i think um assuming like if the like if he just continues to start for the rest of the year i think uh by the end of the season he would not qualify uh because he would have started over 50 percent of the games so uh, i just wanted to kind of mention that like uh as of now christian wood is our sixth man of the year but given the fact that he's currently starting all the time um he's probably not likely to qualify in which case like if we're projecting this race going forward, um, we would probably have, uh, I guess, Bobby Portis or uh, Walker Kessler, who, you know, whoever ends up with the most uh, <laughs> wins above replacement by the end of the season. But um, yeah, basically, would would's probably unlikely to to stay in this position. Uh, it depends. You know, things can change. But again, we're doing the first half of the season. We're not looking ahead to the second half. But Honestly, the the person that wins this award most of the time is somebody that plays a lot of minutes. So, like, yeah, they're coming off the bench, but it's like there's guys that have won this award that are playing like 31 minutes a game. And it's like, let's starter minutes. And then also, you know, someone gets hurt for a month and then they start games. And like, I feel like this uh, this is probably my least favorite award because it's so uh, like I feel like there should be like a minutes cap or something like that. Um, it feels like you gotta gotta get a little bit lucky in terms of opportunity and load, because like I would imagine the player that wins this award every year has the highest load. Like without looking it up, that's what I would bet on because it's gonna have you have the biggest counting stats, which is really important for voters. Um, but let's move on. We got uh, we got our most improved player. We talked about Nick Claxton, Rookie of the Year, Walker Kessler, Six Man, Christian Wood. Let's talk about Defensive Player of the Year. Our three candidates are Nick Claxton, Evan Mobley, and Jaron Jackson Jr. Krishna, through the first half of this season, who do you have as your Defensive Player of the Year? Um, so I don't, uh, I don't think I would necessarily disagree with our. Uh, with our pick of, of Nick Claxton. Um, but I don't, wow, you're really giving think... it away, really cutting through the drama, Krishna cutting through the drama. <laughs> it's well, theater of the mind here, Krishna. All right. We got to create an environment. People want to be, there needs to be mystery intrigue. We got to just keep pulling on that taffy to get those downloads to get that listenership. Well, <laughs> But I'm just gonna say I I think by the I'm pretty positive by the end of the season it's gonna be Jaron Jackson Jr. and I think that would be like honestly you know what I I will change my mind and actually just go with Jackson because I do think like his defense is it's insane like he's on pace to like once he gets the games played he's gonna set the record for block percentage on twos like he's just absurd on defense. <laughs> So, um, you know how to get the I people think, going, breaking yeah. the record on block percentage on twos. That's uh front page newspaper headline stuff. 
And I and I believe the Grizzlies also have the number one defense, which is usually also a requirement. Um, I don't think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Nets don't have a top five defense, right? I don't know. Um, that's usually a requirement for a defense player of the year, I think. It's like you usually have to be like a player on a top five defense. And in fact, that's kind of how we got the uh, the incorrect Marcus Smart Defense Player of the Year award. <laughs> it's so funny that Marcus Smart won Defense Player of the Year. It's so dumb. <laughs> but I'm hey, sorry. you're in Boston. Anything can happen. There's a lot of Celtics fans who are angry about that. But you know what? It's I'm not even saying it. it the award should have gone to Celtics. It just went to the wrong Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, all. I, yeah. It, it should have gone to uh, Al Horford. I think. Al Horford, yeah. Isn't it weird? Like, so normally what happened is we're like, oh, that's that's that shouldn't have happened. And then normally that would upset a fan base because you're going to give the award to somebody else. But the, <laughs> the thing that makes this one extra confusing is like, no, 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 you just gave it to the wrong player on your team because Al Horford had like an unbelievable defensive season as a mobile big. And then <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm not sure how you react as a, as a fan of the Celtics. Like, are you still mad? Yeah, well, so it also could have, like, I would have had Rob ahead of him. Well, I don't know if Rob played enough games last year, but I think Rob had a higher defensive impact than Marcus, right? Uh, um, I'm, yeah, I would I would assume so, and also, yeah, I'm not sure how many games Rob, because he, he, he misses a lot of games with injury. No, that, that yeah, he, he might not have had the games, but just on a per-play basis, I think he has a higher impact. And we kind of discussed this a few episodes ago where, like Marcus essentially won it because he was a point of attack defender. And I don't know for there, there seems to be this idea right now that the point of attack defender is worth more than the anchor big. And we kind of discussed this or even a mobile big. Uh, and we kind of discussed this a few episodes ago where like, no, the anchor big is still worth the most in the regular season. Um, that, you know, that value goes down in the playoffs, but um, you know, in the regular season, it still is. But uh, oh, the little caveat there: it goes down in the playoffs, but it's still the most valuable role. The anchor big, right? Um, and actually, I, I Horford might have actually been a mobile big last year. So he was. Uh, uh, you know what this is? I, I think this is just. I think this is short people at home, banding together with the power of the internet to try to push an agenda. To, I don't know. Get, I, I there's just they're they're trying to they're they're not interested in facts they're interested in changing the discussion to lean towards shorter people because that is what their ultimate goal is and i just don't think there's anything beyond that i think there's a conspiracy going on here i think it goes deep i think it has infiltrated a, a lot of parts of our society and i'm here to put my foot down as someone that is six two in socks I think we need to stop this bias we're trying to move towards shorter people being more valuable. I just don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. I don't think it's true. Uh, so we have Nick Claxton as our defense player of the year. A couple stats on him. He's fourth in uh, rim points saved, uh, right actually ahead of Jaron Jackson Jr. That's per 100 possession stat. So uh, Nick Claxton's been a little bit better at the rim, even though Jaron's had the absurd block numbers. Uh, you got to take into account just contests. That's what we do at Basketball Index. It's not sexy, but we do it for you so you don't have to do it. You can just look at a stat. Uh, fifth in on-ball defense among bigs, which is, again, the ability to defend in isolation. Uh, interesting enough, uh, Nick Claxton is the only mobile big on here. Evan Mobley and Jaron Jackson Jr. are both anchor bigs. They're dropping more in pick and roll. Nick Claxton is hedging and switching more, obviously, 
the uh, Brooklyn Nets are pretty famous for having a, a really crazy switchable roster with so many tall guys out there with Durant and Ben Simmons. And yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. has been fantastic this year. He missed the beginning of the year um, due to injury. He's played about 700 minutes. Nick Claxton has played about 1,100 minutes. So Nick Claxton has played quite a bit more. But I think we're all in agreement. Jaron is going to win Defensive Player of the Year because he's just on a crazy pace. But this episode is about the first half of the season. Uh, This is LeBron's picks for all the awards, and LeBron likes Nick Claxton. I agree. But if you are betting on season-long awards you got to put money on Jaron Jackson Jr. It is, I think, the closest thing to a sure thing in betting on awards as you can get. Uh, and with that being said, let's move on to MVP. This is our last award. Krishna, we got Luka. We got Joker. We got Tatum. What is your analysis? Um. So I think, so MVP is going to be like, like one of the important parts about MVP is playing a lot of minutes. <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like you can't accumulate value if you're not on the court, um, which is kind of funny because one of the ways to show your value is having a massive on-off uh, net differential, right? So, um, <laughs> but but you still need to be on the court. Um, so I think uh, you know that MVP race is very interesting because our number one player is not number one and like our number one MVP uh, using LeBron uh, wins above a replacement is actually not our leader in LeBron. Um, and uh, so look, I think we all know who the top two are, right? Well, 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 <laughs> just... It depends on what time zone you live in. Um, There's different, oh, uh, saying... there's different opinions based on different time zones in this country about who the MVP of the NBA is. That's true. Um, there's going to be some people in, in Boston that are certainly very mad. <laughs> hey, about. everyone mad in Boston at Taylor Metrics. Come talk to me on Twitter. I'm sure you're in a good mood after listening to this. <laughs> well, wait. I mean, wait. Hold on. We said they had the correct – they had the defensive player. Of the <laughs> they year. had the right team. They said the wrong player. player. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have their guy on our ballot. So it's it's not that he's – you know, just because he's not first, it's uh, you're still on the ballot. Christian, you're really uh, bad at giving away the, who I'm going to announce later. <laughs> um, well, for wait, why do we only have three players listed for here? For the sake of time, and also it's really confusing when you're listening at home if I say like 15 names. Uh, yeah, but we we should have like five guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I say that because the ballot is five players. Sure. So, um, and since we're just going by uh, LeBron, uh, War, I will add in the last two. So, so you can give away the. Uh, so, if you want to go ahead and mention the top three, since I've sort of given them away. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we, we got Luca, we got Joker, we got Tatum. So, there's two ways you can look at things in in all. Oh, in- I know why you cut it off at three now. <laughs> uh, there's two thing, two ways you can look at things on the site. Again, you can look at LeBron. It's a little confusing, but uh, especially in podcast form. But you can look at LeBron, which is your overall impact per 100 possessions, or you can look at LeBron WAR, which is your accumulative value, your wins added above a replacement player for the season. So on a per 100 possession basis, we actually have Joker as the best player in the league, and I think that uh, makes sense. Quite a gap. What was that? There's a, there's a decent size gap too. So 
Joker's LeBron is 7.01 and Luca is second at 5.85. And then there's actually a, a decent sized gap to our uh, to Triple J at 4.94, who's who's tied with Tatum. Okay, but the reason Tatum Tatum's WAR is higher because he's played a lot more minutes than so Jaron Jackson Jr. would probably be winning a lot of awards if he's played the whole season, but he hasn't. Um, and Tatum's been Tatum's been very good. Tatum's played the most uh, minutes out of all of them. What we did though is we looked at the WAR this season because we wanted to see who's brought the most total value on court this year. Uh, we have Luca at number one, currently winning for the first half. He's averaging 34 points, nine assists, and nine rebounds on uh, 105 true shooting plus, and that's simulated 2K season stuff. This is something I've seen a number of times in 2K, and I always thought was silly. And now that it's happened, I guess the machine was smarter than me all along, which is kind of similar to how it is at Basketball Index. The machine's normally smarter than me. Um, but Joker's having a fantastic year, uh, really good offensive value, solid defensive value for being a big, uh, does that in non-traditional ways, not blocking a lot of shots, but his passing lane defense is always super good. Uh, Tatum has been really great. He's been fantastic on offense. He's been a plus on defense. I think that's always kind of what's separated Tatum from other star players, especially like players in the teens is that his, his value on defense is positive. He's a good defender. He's versatile. He's big. He can do a lot of things. Luca, a uh, slight negative on defense this year, uh, but has just been otherworldly on offense. Obviously just a crazy creation specialist that, that just scores so many points, so many rebounds, so many assists. It's, it's just nutty stuff. So, Christian, you got anything uh, on all? I guess I'll recap all the awards. So MVP for the first half. Oh, 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 hold on. We got to talk more about the MVP. We oh, you want to get stop. more? Into, all right. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I, I got a lot, man. Uh, first of all, you stopped at three players. So <laughs> I got to finish the list okay. here, man. I mean, so <laughs> for for the other. Uh, so there's a three way tie at uh, for LeBron uh, wins above replacement uh, for four, five and four, four and five. So we have. Um, and I think I now know why you cut it off at three, because come on, you don't, you don't want to, or, uh, okay. So the three-way ties, Kevin Durant, Sabonis and Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> so I, I feel like you might've cut it off because you uh, didn't want to talk about the Kings. Is that accurate, Taylor? <laughs> Wait, is there, is there a... Uh, a theory floating around that I don't like the I Kings. I mean, there's a theory around here that you're a Kings hater. <laughs> no, I just in the okay. So this goes I back mean, to I, the. I'm just going by the last two power rankings. Man. So this I goes mean, back have... to the first power rankings episode where when I we talked about the Kings, you know, they come out, they're playing really good basketball, they're scoring a million points, shooting a bunch of threes. It's all great and dandy, right? De'Aaron Fox is playing like an all star. That trade for Sabonis all of a sudden looks pretty good, which I actually was a supporter of. If you've been a listener for two years of this podcast. Um, but I just said there's some flaws in this team because there's like no two way players and there's only one defensive oriented player in Davion Mitchell. I, I still stand by this in the last power rankings. I did say, well, they've continued to play pretty well. I still think they have the same problems on their team, but when the offense is this good, I, you know, it's hard to argue with something like that. And that's where I say on that. I would not call that a – I would call it analysis of the Kings, not hating of the Kings, but just a cold dose of reality. And nobody likes that. 
but I'll bring it every time. Well, you know what? Since, since you've been hating on them, <laughs> they're now third in the West. Oh, rankings don't matter this year. It's like two games go by and you just can reshuffle all of the rankings because every team has like the same record. Records, they're pointless. We don't even need to look I at them. I feel like mentioning to you, though, that I told like we mentioned in the first power rankings, the Kings were here to stay. And I feel like you were a little skeptical back then. And I think now you you got to... You gotta have your mea culpa on that. I mean, if they lose the next three games, what are they? Because they get into fourteenth place. How do the rankings work in the West? Every team has the same record. It doesn't matter. Uh, wait, whoa, hold on. They're like, uh, they got some, they got a little gap here, and and uh, well, the Pelicans have fallen a lot since Zion got injured, and I I don't think anybody thinks the Kings are better than the Pelicans when they're healthy. But I do think they've uh, they've kind of separated themselves as clearly in the top four here. I mean, they're four last four losses ahead of the Mavs, who um, I know I if I remember correctly, you weren't as high on in the last power rankings, right? So um, I, I do think they they are kind of separating themselves a bit from some of these other. I'll take the, the I'll four. take the Mavs over the Kings in a seven game series. Luca, I'll take Luca. Well, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that, but I, I'm just saying for the regular season. Um, but anyways, moving on from our little uh, Kings discussion here, the uh, the the three way tie was Sabonis, Mitchell, and and Kevin Durant. Who um, Mitchell is is surprising because he's actually not that high in overall. LeBron, um, he is let's see, twelfth, um, but he's played a lot of minutes um, and which also might be surprising because he's missed the last few games. So if you're surprised that he's like this high because you're like, wait, I haven't seen Mitchell play in a few games. Yeah, he actually has played a lot of minutes. <laughs> and uh, obviously, uh, KD is um, not healthy and is probably uh, is going to be missing some time and is probably going to kind of fall out of this race. Uh, but the thing I did want to kind of discuss um, was uh, – was Tatum, who is, um, I, I think Tatum's like a, obviously a, a very clearly deserving uh, third place in in, LeBron, in, uh, in the MVP race given his minutes played. But one of the th- interesting things, uh, and we we were kind of discussing this uh, before we recorded about um, Tatum's O LeBron, um, where he is um, fourth uh, currently in the league in O LeBron ahead of a few players who I feel like if we're being honest, uh, <laughs> I don't think most people would take him as an offensive player over uh, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. Um, so, and, uh, and, uh, and maybe not even over Embiid, although that's a little more debatable. I, I, I think uh, Tatum's playmaking uh, edge is, is probably pretty decent here and um, over Embiid. Although, interestingly, looking at their playmaking talent, uh, Tatum's at 1.19 and uh, Embiid's at one point. Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, no, Tatum, uh, Embiid is ahead in playmaking talent. Um, anyways, I, I just think the uh, the Tatum... Uh, what are you getting at, just, Krishna? What are you gnawing on over there? Um. I, I think so. The interesting thing, like with Tatum, is his O LeBron is fourth, and and part of the reason it's uh, that high is because the team has been amazing on offense when he's on the court. But if you're looking at like the individual components, 
um, like both Steph and Kevin Durant are ahead of him in shooting talent. Um, I think uh, Steph is ahead of him in playmaking talent. Um, actually, he's, uh, let's see, Giannis is ahead of him in playmaking talent. And uh, Katie is ahead of him in playmaking talent. Um, and then if you look at like one-on-one talent, um, obviously, I think even the most, you know, devoted Tatum fan would admit he is not as good of a one-on-one player as like Kevin Durant. Um, and uh, like, so anyways, I, I just think it's kind of, um, to me, the Tatum case is more uh, about just like he plays every game and he plays uh, a lot of minutes. But like, I think if you were looking like some of the other impact metrics, if you look at them, they are not as high on Tatum. So I think um, I, yeah, I don't know if I'd necessarily have him third. Let's just say that. Um, so you're, you're well, accusing Jason Tatum of being an accumulator. Um, no, but that's good. You want to be an accumulator. Like, like that's the big, the best thing you can do is be an accumulator, right? Cause like if you're on the court and you're one of the best players in the league, your team's going to win more games, right? So that you want to do that. Like, um, but I just don't know that like, as of this point, I, I don't know that I'd necessarily have them over, uh, Katie, um, or, uh, well, so he, so you're upset. So K- you're upset at Jason Tatum for being durable is what I'm hearing. No, I'm I'm not because I I think like I would have Tatum ahead of like Embiid and Steph, right? But like if I were ranking players on a per minute basis, let me ask you this: if you were ranking players, so if you're doing MVP now, because uh, honestly MVP is like it, it's kind of boring because you're just looking at like uh, wins over replacement, right? Like who's and that a big part of that is accumulating a lot of minutes and value, right? But if you are looking at like if you are doing a permanent MVP, which is maybe now I'm creating a new award here. Permanent uh, MVP? That sounds like a king. A king of the NBA? Yeah, sure. Let let's call it the King Award. Um <laughs> what, what do you think? That's uh, that's kind of a good idea. <laughs> Um, I think, well, obviously Jokic and Luka would be, uh, one and two. Um, would you have Tatum? Where would you have Tatum? Where would I have? So basically what you're asking me is like in, if I was just ranking all the players in the league. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, sure. Let's uh, like, I, I'm, and I'm saying for this season. Well, that I, what, <laughs> I, I don't understand what you're asking me. So the so the MVP is the best player this year, and no, the no, but king award of, would be like who's the king of the MVP and the king reign. The whole thing about being a king is that you don't. There's no term limits on being a king. Okay, you know what? Okay, so la, okay, let's 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 go with that instead. So the, yeah, so just go with best players then. Just the best so, players yeah, in the league. Yeah. So like if you're yeah sure. Let's let's go. I don't know if you know it, this, Krishna. I keep a list of the top seventy-five players in the league in my back pocket. Okay, so the perfect. All right, so, so I have Luca at one. I have Joker at two. I have Steph at three. Giannis at four, and Tatum at five. Okay, um, so I think that's a little closer. So where are you on Tatum versus Embiid? So Embiid never, is a- no one has ever asked me where I am on Tatum versus Embiid. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I think they're like if honestly, if we're doing tiers, they're they're in the same tier. Right? They're both but, blue uh, in my tiers. Yeah, they're both. Uh, and, and Bede would probably be right below Tatum, I assume, for your sixth place guy. Yeah, and then after you that, know. there's a cutoff, and then there's Durant, Mitchell, LeBron, Jaw, and Zion. Okay. Uh, wow, you have KD in the second tier. I do. That's wow. That's interesting. Um. So the non-KD hater here is... <laughs> it's just so everyone behind the scenes, me and Krishna argue about KD, like, I would say twice a month, and we've done this for the last, like, six months, and sometimes we're on Skype arguing, like, after the podcast, and sometimes we're just viciously typing at each other while, like, I'm at work and Krishna's doing some sort of calculation thing. I don't know why, but we talk about KD so often. He's a really interesting player, though, because, like, I think... Krishna um, hates him, and I don't hate him, basically, is the argument. <laughs> I don't actually hate him though, because like I think I like I do think he's like a top five player or whatever. I just like I think if you're just kind of looking in like I feel like the overall media kind of has him as like the best player in the NBA. No, no, what? No. Well, hold on. After the 2021 season, they did, and I I, and that's where I'm saying like that. So after last year, I, I don't think. I feel like Katie got a little more properly. Basically, I don't think. Wait, no, wasn't like, Giannis the best player then? Because he had just come off the championship. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what I thought, but I think a lot of people had Katie as the best player. I don't know why. Um, my brother did. I, I, I do remember walking Katie, into my brother's house. That's the first thing he said to me. Yeah, I think the thing about Katie is like he's had two very different playoffs like last year he was pretty bad in the playoffs and then the year before he was amazing and everybody was like oh he's about and like i think the thing like we have a three-year playoff lebron and almost and the point of it almost is to like be like you can't like one playoff run is a small sample size so the whole point of it is to look at like three-year samples and you want to fall somewhere in between where like like over three years most of the best players are going to end up with uh, a pretty large sample size of minutes. And I think like with KD, you balance out what he did in kind of 2021 and then 2022, and you end up somewhere in the middle along where he should be. Um, not in the middle of the league. I mean, like <laughs> in the middle of like his two playoff performances. So, uh, but I do think it's interesting that you had KD in the second tier though, because I, um, I actually would have him in the first tier. Um, although, you know what? He, Gets injured a lot. Yeah, so my so my rankings are just who I think the best players in the leagues is right now. It doesn't really I mean, this season has to do with it, obviously, but I'm also thinking of like last year and kind of the year before that, uh, with like lesser waving in my head. But also you gotta be able to stay on the court. And Katie has just missed so much time. It's the same thing like Kawhi would be higher on the list, but Kawhi is, it has just missed so much time where I don't know how dependable that is. Also, I feel like KD is sort of, he's played at such a high level this year. It's made me be like, oh, maybe I need to rethink things because I do have this theory, right? So there's like the aging curve, which is, you know, around age 34, 35. That's most players like last hurrah. And then you decline quite a bit and you're out of the league often, like very quickly after that. However, if you're a Hall of Famer, this is kind of my new theory. If you're a Hall of Famer, it doesn't like rules don't apply to you in the same way. And if you're a Hall of Famer, you can play to honestly like pretty high end play into like age like 37. We're seeing it now with LeBron at 38. But basically, like the idea is like 35 is kind of a 
the cutoff point for for most mortals and in the NBA. But if you're a Hall of Famer, you can go past that at a high level. And sometimes I forget that. And you know, every time there's a Hall of Famer doing something that is um, that just seems insane and kind of breaks the rules, it's hard for my little brain to try to compute with that. And uh, I think that's kind of what's going on with KD right now. Yeah, I, I think so. Is KD having his best season? Um, possibly, like, like just overall his best season of his career. Well, maybe I, I don't know. I can't, like he's got the 2014 MVP season, but I think I feel like his defense has been at its best this year. That uh-huh. has been very, very good. The all-in-one metrics have really liked his defense, and I have kind of wondered the you know kind of switch everything scheme and especially when you have the versatility of durant you have claxton and you have ben simmons that is a a really interesting uh trifecta of players and i have wondered the defensive load in terms of your like how much energy you're using on defense I've wondered how that changes in a switch everything scheme because like you're just ping ponging between screens and kind of like constantly trading off players. I've wondered like what the um, energy output of that is versus a more traditional defense. And if that maybe works better for star players. Yeah, it might. Um, I think, but also like to me, it just feels like he's more attentive on defense and like there's just more effort and more like, like, yeah, essentially just like everything. There's more effort. He's more attentive. Just everything about his defense. Like there's um, more energy, like, you know, energy, I guess, on defense. Like everything, he's just been better this year than he has maybe in past regular seasons um, because certainly he's probably one of those guys who turns it up a bit in the playoffs in terms of his defense. But in the regular season, he's never been like um, probably as good as his reputation, I guess, suggests. Uh, or his, sorry, not his reputation, but like his assumption, uh, the assumption that he's that tall. So he's yeah, going to impact defense because he's, yeah, he's got like, he's seven feet with like a seven foot four wingspan. So if you see, if you hear those measurements, you're like, okay, this guy must be one of the best defenders in the league. Right. So, uh, and he can move, right. Like he can switch and like he can, he's mobile for somebody that size. So, um, but like, I think, uh, so going back to our discussion earlier with regards to like Tatum, I think like the interesting thing with Tatum is like if you're looking at his usage rate and his true shooting percentage, like it's like both of them are great figures, but they're also not at like so you have like Giannis and uh, Luca at like their usage rates are at like 38, which is insane. Um, and, and crazy. And especially Luca, who is, um, first in our playmaking talent. Um, and he's just doing everything. And, uh, so we have a stat offensive involvement rate. Um, we haven't, uh, we haven't released that this year, but last year, I think he was at like a hundred or something like that. And essentially what that is, is just like the number of, um, actions you're running per 100 possessions so that's like pick and rolls isos post-ups like the number of on-ball actions you're running per 100 possessions and luca was like so far ahead of the league last year and that's even higher this year like i like we I wait don't wait, wait hold on how does it get above 100 um if you're running multiple pick and rolls in one possession or oh, multiple okay ISOs so you can have possession. multiple actions in a possession 
Yeah. Um, and actually, let me pull up Luca's exact number because it was like, I think it was by far the um, highest uh, rate in the league. Um, or sorry, in our database. Um, uh, While you pull so, that up, I have Kevin Durant's playoff LeBron, and it is not very good over the last three years. His his O LeBron is down with like, well, I guess Tatum's isn't that great either. It's down with like Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum, and they're like well outside the top 10. Again, this is three-year uh, playoff LeBron. And then his defense is about neutral, which uh, for a star isn't bad. But you would like him to maybe be a little bit higher. So eh, just something, a nugget to take away from this podcast. Yeah. Um, I, I Well, the <laughs> so you mentioned Tatum's too, who's kind of lower despite the finals appearance in, in the three-year version of our metrics. Um, three-year playoff, uh, LeBron. Um, and honestly, I, I for regarding Tatum, I think that would just be because like he's a – um so I don't want to say he's not an elite one-on-one player because like I guess it depends on how you define elite but if we're talking about like the Kevin Durant category of one-on-one or hold on is um, there anyone else in the Kevin Durant category um maybe DeRozan or I guess I'm thinking of mid-range shooting (laughs) yeah although for I do think DeRozan doesn't translate as well in the playoffs right yeah historically not not so much historically not um and uh let's see who else do we got in the so actually this year luca is leading the league in our one-on-one talent uh shay is third Kyrie's fourth damar is fifth Embiid is sixth um so uh oh so i pulled up luca's offensive involvement rate last year and it did lead the entire database it was at 97 um so yeah and that is uh, just absurd because if you're thinking if like you're talking about one action per possession um, for like an entire season, like every possession and he's, he's actually got the two highest figures in our in the league uh, in the database. Um, but so just to give you an idea. So Luca last year, his offensive involvement rate was ninety seven point oh nine. The year before, he is, which is the second highest figure in our database, was at eighty six point nine, and the and the third highest figure in our database is Trey Young at eighty point eight. So Luca last year is is like at eighteen more on ball actions per hundred possessions um, than like uh than the non than the highest non luca season and we don't have it for this year yet but i would guess it's even higher this year i would i would bet it's crossed 100 which if you're crossing 100 that means he's doing multiple on ball actions within one possession which is insane right like think of like um and i we should maybe pull up ball dominance but i think he's he's got a probably be the highest in that as well um so like he's just doing so much um but the interesting thing is like so going back to our mvp conversation how would you value that versus what like Jokic does which he is um he's actually second in our playmaking uh 
talent grade this season, and he led the league last year. Um, and his uh, the Nuggets have the number one offense in the league, um, and he's been a huge part of that. Obviously, like his his playmaking is absurd. Right? Like you, you know, you just cut to the basket and you're getting uh, a free. You know, Jokic is uh, assisting you on a basket, right? Just cut to the basket all the time and you're getting free baskets <laughs> um, playing with him. So, um, yeah, so so how would you uh, – who, who would you pick there? Between Joker and Luka? Yeah. Uh, so, like, so disregarding the minutes now because, like I said, if we're going minutes, it's like it becomes easy and you just go with – the guy who's played more minutes was would be Luca, and actually also because, like I said earlier, he's uh, you know he's basically doing everything. So technically, he's accumulating more value on on ball, you know, on ball, right? But like overall, I guess. Okay, so if we you... break it down to, I'm going to start with this is again between Luca and Joker, right? If you look at O LeBron, which is total offensive impact, Luca does have the edge, and that's that's on a per possession basis. So that's not playing more minutes, right? Uh, and then on defense, Joker has the edge by quite a bit. Um, there's a little bit you need to do there because, like, you like bigs just have more inherent defensive value. So, like, you need to compare Joker to other bigs, and you need to compare Luca to other like wing players. Or he's he's in the helper role. You can compare him to other helpers if you want. Uh, just off ball kind of, off ball wings on defense. So there's been. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to quickly butt in and mention that's going to be true for offense too. Where if you compare Jokic on offense to other bigs, he's actually going to have more value than Luca would have. Because he's compared. in the post scorer role instead of the shot creator. Uh, yeah, because he's in. Yeah, and also just because of like the position, like centers typically have less offensive value than. So if you're looking at it from a uh, value over position uh, replacement level, right? So you're doing. Like you're doing wins above replacement, but now you're factoring position. Mm-hmm. The average center is lower in O'LeBron uh, than the average uh, whatever position Luke is. I guess I guess he's a point guard. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a point guard slash like off ball wing on defense. Um, yeah, okay, so I, I see what you're saying. That's a good that's a good uh, kind of. Uh, thought to take into account when comparing the two players but it's really tough because i think they're just kind of in a dead sprint to the end of the year i don't think we're going to really know who the mvp is until the last you know two weeks of the season because they're both just so locked in on offense specifically that's where they're both getting majority of their value i think i would take luca just from the like so basically in the analytics community i'd say we lean more towards efficiency that's something that we're just generally more interested in than volume most of the time um but i think luca's volume of 34 points a game nine assists nine rebounds on uh plus five true shooting is just at a level of volume that i don't think i've ever seen before and because, I mean, we've seen volume debates in the past, right? Like, the Russell Westbrook MVP year was a debate over volume. And, you know, I that that I wasn't watching a lot of basketball during that time, so I don't really have super great opinions. Um, I was working in football. But this season with Luka, it's happening on a volume basis as well as an efficiency basis, which I think is really impressive. So I'm probably going Luka, but if we did this pod in six weeks, like, that answer could change. I think they're really just neck and neck close. I think Tatum is third. I think 
I don't know if I'd use the term distant third, but he's uh, solidly in third place. And then there's another tier below them after that of a couple guys you've mentioned. Yeah. Um, so d- let me ask you this. Do you think Embiid could... So Embiid was second last year in LeBron. Um, and I think... Um, so like you, I before the season started, I actually had Tatum just ahead of Embiid if I was doing like overall player rankings. But I think part of that was just because of just the minutes discrepancy. Like one guy is playing so many more minutes and I can rely on him, right? But let's say they, and and right now Tatum is actually ahead in LeBron, but um, I think if you look at like, like if you're looking at like their true shooting usage, or if you look at our shooting talent, for example, I think, uh, so Embiid's ahead of Tatum in shooting talent, in one-on-one talent, in overall shot making, um, I think, uh, you would so and and of course he ended last year ahead in LeBron. So I'm just wondering if they do you think uh, would you be surprised if Embiid ends up ahead of uh, ahead of Tatum? I guess. So would I be surprised if Embiid comes in third place? No. Like yeah. to this point, like Embiid could. It's possible for him to go on a historic run and win MVP this year. So the idea of him surpassing Tatum and getting third place really wouldn't surprise me. It's definitely possible. Um, but I think it's probably a two-horse race between Luka and Joker. But again, like I said, if Embiid goes on a crazy tear and averages, you know, 45 points for a month or something, which he definitely can do, um, I think that's on the table. So actually, the th- so I was looking at this when our LeBron uh, numbers came out, and I think I would say Embiid's probably been the best two-way player this year. So he's 16th in O LeBron, and he's 16th in D LeBron. So that's why I'm I'm just like really I guess impressed and I kind of feel like his season's going a bit under the radar because of like he's been really good on both ends. Like where even Tatum's uh number LeBron is more slanted on offense, right? He's a he's a much more a much better two-way player than either uh um uh Jokic or, or Luka, right? But uh, and actually, I'm not actually sure if I, I got to look this up now. I don't know if, or maybe you have this in front of you. Is Tatum's D. LeBron ahead of uh, Jokic? No, it's not. Um, okay, um, but so, but I, I would have him as a more impactful defender when adjusting for position. Would that be fair? Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I could, I could. That that would make sense. I think. Like I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I think the thing is like I like Jokic being at a center. So he he adds more value. But I also don't think his so D LeBron has him, I think, in like the 20s. Right. Which is, I think, a little more appropriate than some other metrics that think he's the best defender in the NBA. Um, yes, yeah, so we're taking pot think shots that. here. <laughs> Are we taking pot shots here at another metric? <laughs> we should start. <laughs> Uh, okay, before we do that, I'm going to wrap up this podcast because we'll get in trouble okay. for that. <laughs> uh, let's recap. We had uh, LeBron had for the first half of the year, uh, Luke as MVP, uh, Nick Claxton as Defensive Player of the Year, Christian Wood as six man, Walker Kessler as Rookie of the Year, and Nick Claxton as Most Improved Player. And that wraps it up for our midseason awards. If you like this episode, obviously this is a little different. First half structured, second half very unstructured. Let us know. Um, at Taylor Metrics on Twitter for me. Krishna, what is your Twitter handle? 
at KNRSU3. At KNRSU3. All right, fantastic. My name is Taylor for Krishna. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast. <laughs>